Welcome to Renaissance Online Radio. You can find us at renaissanceonlineradio.com or you can reach us by email at renaissanceonlineradio at gmail.com. Now here's your host. Well, hello again, everybody. I'd like to thank each of my listeners for tuning in, which is not exactly the right term for a podcast. We don't tune into podcasts like we do into broadcast radio, but you get the idea. I'm delighted to have a new intro and we'll sport a new extra at the end. My friend Mark recorded the voiceover on that. He also was the guitarist in the piece that is being used. That piece comes from an album I was fortunate enough to be part of the recording on. I will include information on how to find the album and listen to it in the description for this podcast. When we got done recording the last podcast, I headed out of the Faraday cage up to the farmhouse where we tried to get the girls to bed, but they were not having any of it in time to start watching the most recent GOP debate. So we went ahead and invited them to join us. Now understand my daughters are two and four. So not exactly the most politically savvy, or you you wouldn't think that. But my oldest one, when they started to bring the candidates out, said, Daddy, where's Donald Stump? You mean Donald Trump? Yeah, where is he? Well, he'll be out in a few minutes. Daddy, why is he dangerous? Wow. You know, they say kids are always listening, even if you can't tell. And she made it through the first 30 minutes, occasionally asking why I was laughing or, why did you, what did you think of that, Daddy? And then she was asleep. Lucky kid. So the rumor mill has it, since I'm not paying very close attention, that the Democrat debate is coming up this weekend. I have no intention of watching it, and I'm not really thinking anybody else needs to bother. Either Hillary gets arrested for her email scandal, or she becomes the Democrat nominee, which doesn't say anything complimentary about the Democrat electorate. But what I would really like to watch is a Democrat debate being hosted by a conservative What we've seen in almost every debate so far on the GOP side is the debate being moderated by people who will never vote for any person on that stage. Why shouldn't we watch Hillary and Bernie and whoever else they've managed to talk into running in the race this year on the uh, blue ticket being questioned by people like Mark Levin? people who actually have a, have a historical context for the country and people who are to them what GOB, GOP debate moderators are to the GOP debates. That would be fun to watch. After my last podcast, one of my old friends asked me if there was anything that I liked about New York. And... Actually, yeah, there were. It's kind of like going to the Great Barrier Reef and scuba diving. 
there are lots of things to see, and some of them are spectacular, but you don't stay. We're not made to be there. And that's how I felt in New York. I wasn't made to be there. That's all. I don't mean to be derogatory about those people who who love the city. It's just not me. And uh, so I was just on my last podcast sharing my own personal reactions to the visit. I did enjoy a number of things. One being the restaurant that we went to. We went to a restaurant called Lupa, named after a wolf, down uh, about halfway down between Times Square and the financial district, and had an excellent meal there. And we also went up to Rockefeller Plaza, saw a very pretty tree, along with about you know a couple thousand other people packed into the same space, which was nice. And oddly enough, I enjoyed riding the subway. I found that it was really fairly painless compared to what I had imagined it to be. Of course, I had the same reaction riding the metro, so I guess that's probably um, expectations versus reality uh, in a good way for me. I did enjoy the wide selection of foods available, and there was no shortage of opportunity for people watching. I did feel a little bit out of place. My blonde hair made me stand out almost as badly in New York as it did when I was in Nepal, which was kind of interesting to me. It's, it's um, definitely the minority hair color in uh, New York City. Not that that matters. I just found it an inter- to be an interesting observation. It did, be, being in the city, did help me understand how someone from the city might feel uh, out of place, you might say, in northeast Tennessee where I live, in much the same way that I felt out of place there. It's just a matter of what you're used to, I guess, and what uh, what your personal values are. As a musician, I did enjoy how much music there was in public spaces, live music, like at one of the subway stops when a mariachi band got onto the train we were on and started playing Feliz Navidad. It was fun listening to, and it was also fun watching my little girls uh, listening and enjoying the music, the group had an accordion, and it was a chromatic accordion, and it's definitely now on my list of uh, instruments that I'd like to acquire and learn how to play. I've played a couple of piano accordions and enjoy it very much, unlike my oldest daughter, who, when I brought it out the first time, she was maybe seven or eight months old, started uh, crying like something big was about to eat her the first time I played it. So, I don't play the accordion around the house very much at this point. Moving on to other topics, it is almost winter, and that you would think would be the uh, almost hibernating season around the farm. It's certainly not the busy time that you get in the spring, summer, and fall, where you're planting, and then you're growing, and then you're harvesting crops, but our animals are still part of what goes on, And we are just now starting to get eggs from some of the chickens that we got as chicks back in the summer. So that's a little bit of exciting news. We also sent our two older female goats, Ethel and Irene, off to their boyfriend's farm. Hopefully they'll come back pregnant and we'll enjoy having some more baby goats 
we had four this summer, and watching my little girls enjoy them, enjoy the kids, enjoy holding them, carrying them around, chasing them, was so much fun. Um, now they've the the kids have gotten so large that you know they're they're still fun, but the girls can't pick them up anymore. The the kids weigh as much as our daughters do. We think that both of our female sheep are pregnant, so really don't know what to expect on delivery for them. I'm not sure when they got pregnant since we went ahead and got a ram to be part of our herd. We're hoping to raise calves this uh, coming spring and start putting the hay that we've been cutting for three and a half years now to good use rather than just uh, to be a product that we sell. I am planning to raise another crop of hemp this year and before you go getting worried about me doing drugs, uh, industrial hemp is not something that you're going to get a buzz off of if you smoke it, you just get to cough. The THC level in the hemp that we grew this year was undetectable, uh, even though I can grow uh, hemp that has a uh, THC level up to 0.3%. In the state of Tennessee, you have to have a state license in order to grow the plant, and the way the Farm Bill of 2014 was written, you can grow hemp as part of a research project. Well, the state of Tennessee formed a research project run out of the Department of Agriculture in cooperation with the University of Tennessee. And so everyone who gets a license from the state of Tennessee is therefore a participant in the research program. So we have to have to turn in report turn in a report at the end of the growing season uh, telling uh, the particular variables about how we planted, how we watered, how we fertilized, pests that we had, and then what our yields were and how we disposed of our crops. Because there was no certified seed available inside the U.S., the uh, seed for our first year had to come from out of the country, and some came in from Italy, some came in from Asia, mine came from Canada, and the DEA, of course, has to license the state program, and then Customs has to allow the seeds in, and in general, the federal agencies were not comfortable with the whole idea, even though they were required by law to allow it, and so every at every point, it seemed there was a delay in getting seed, such that my seed arrived, I believe it was on the 5th of June. My first seeds went into the ground on the 7th of June. Now, why does this matter? This matters because the plant is sensitive to the length of day, the relative length of day, meaning that the plant starts to go into its seed production, meaning it flowers, uh, very shortly after solstice after the longest day of the year, which is uh, June 21st, more or less. Uh, and so my plants being planted between June 7 and June 18, some of them never saw any obvious lengthening of days. They only saw shortening of days. So I had some plants. Some plants grew to four to five, maybe five and a half feet tall, and others were only inches tall when the days started to shorten for them. And so I had 
a very uh, abbreviated growing season for my plants prior to solstice compared to the typical way of growing hemp, uh, which is to put it in the ground in April or early May. I mean, they, they grow the plant in Canada uh, routinely and have been for years, and they're able to get a reasonable grow out of it, even though they've got a much longer winter than we have here in Tennessee. So in theory, we could have been able to plant possibly even early April, uh, and if we had been able to get our seeds in time, we would have had a much different growing season this this last year than we had. As it as it stood, I planted three and a half pounds of seed, and my entire yield of seed was ten pounds. Um, so this next year is going to be a different experience, I'm sure, because I was able to retain some of the seed that I got last year and plan to plant it, independent of when the the DEA deliver or allows to deliver a new shipment of seed. So we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, better yields and a much more interesting uh, growing season this next year. Probably one of my major operations for our farm. I'd like to see it turn into a, uh, an actual cash uh, generating project, but it takes a market in order to turn, that, um, turn those seeds and those fibers into money. We'll see if we're able to uh, find a market or create a market. I was hoping to get an oil press this last year and uh, press our seed into uh, hemp oil, which is high in omega-3s, similar to flax seed oil or to fish oil. But I am led to believe that it is less prone to oxidation than flax oil is. With flax, if you don't use the oil immediately after it's generated, uh, after it's extracted, or uh, keep the oil in uh, refrigeration, then it loses its omega-3 properties very quickly due to oxidation. Omega-3s are important in forming healthy cell walls, and the American diet does not typically have a lot of omega-3s in it uh, as compared to what would be considered a healthy level. A lot of folks are interested in having a farm in the, in the same capacity that we're doing, where the farm is not a, a uh, source of uh, critical income, but gives a, uh, an alternative source for foods and provides a, a healthier environment for raising kids. It's, a, it's an interesting topic and one that, uh, one that takes a lot of planning if you really want to do that, unless you've got a lot of income, it will be difficult to justify a lot of the purchases that make farming easier, like a tractor um, and other farm equipment. So sharing equipment with another person of like mind or another family of like mind is a nice way to keep those costs down. Um, you might think of it as cooperative farming, although uh, the way you the way you work that is uh, up to you. You can you can farm the same land as someone else, uh, share a, share a farm, or you can just share equipment. The value of a farm is probably more in the experience than in the products uh, for most folks. It's 
nice to think that you can grow all your own food. And if you really put a lot of work into it, you can to an extent. You're not going to have fresh lettuce in February unless you develop and build a good greenhouse system complete with artificial heat. But you probably won't be doing that. What you will be doing if you've got a decent-sized garden and a few animals, is you will supplement your diet. You'll supplement it with fresh eggs. You'll supplement it maybe with milk, depending on uh, what animals you have and when they are fresh. Um, that's a term that describes them being in milk. Um, garden vegetables are really good in the summer because they're fresh off the plant. Uh, in the winter, depends on how well you canned them. Canning takes a lot of work, and it is a skill, and it is a way you can die if you don't do it correctly because if you don't sterilize your, your jars correctly and if you don't um, use the correct canning process for a particular uh, kind of, kind of uh, vegetable or fruit, then you can have horrible things happen like botulism um, and other food poisonings. I don't say these things to not encourage people to get into farming or otherwise natural living, uh, gardening, things of that nature. Just do it intentionally and do it with a mind for safety. One of my favorite things about my life is my friends. I have some amazing people in my life that I'm proud to call friends. And we've developed a tradition that I hope other folks if you haven't, I hope you do. We call it Friendsgiving. It's like Thanksgiving, and we have often celebrated it during Thanksgiving, but this year we're doing it a couple of weeks late, where we get together intentionally with some of our closest friends, those who are able to get away and make it, and we spend at least a good meal with them. This time we're going to spend a couple of nights hanging out, letting our, all of our children play with each other, and we're going to sit around and play music and share stories and just share time. One of the hardest things about being in this stage of life, I'm in my, I'm in my early 40s, one of the hardest things is to find time to invest in friendship. You know, when we were younger, uh, when we were in high school, college, didn't have families, spouses, uh, jobs that took all our time. It was easy to share that time that creates real lasting friendship. And these people are as close as family. But we're all busy now. We're all raising kids or otherwise otherwise encumbered and just don't have the time to make those stories that later get told to the kids and the grandkids. So in order to feed friendships, sometimes we have to just say, we're going to make the time to share time. There's not a replacement for friendship. Nothing else in this world will replace that part of your life. So I hope listening to this recording encourages you to think about those relationships that you value in your life. Some of them 
you may not have spent time with, some of those people you may not have spent time with for a very long time. Pick up the phone. Call them up. Send them an email. Let them know they matter to you. You won't be sorry. That's all for this edition of the Renaissance Online Radio Podcast. We invite your participation by sending email to renaissanceonlineradio at gmail.com or by commenting on our Facebook page. Our Twitter handle is at renaissancerdo. Thanks and have a great day.